Welcome to the Sports Up Podcast, where we feature groundbreaking leaders in sports and share their inspiring stories. Now, let's get started with the show. This episode is brought to you by me, Meredith Sims. My biggest personal and professional passion is to be one of the top female leaders in sports broadcasting, a typically male-dominated industry. I started this podcast to share inspiring stories, and one of my goals is to intern for a professional sports team. So if you're listening and you know someone I should connect with, please email me because I'm willing to work super hard. Or if you know of an inspiring female leader, email me at meredith at sportsuppodcast.com. I'm always looking for more great guests to feature. Visit sportsuppodcast.com today to check out more episodes. For today's episode, I this is my first episode having two guests on one. So I have um, PhD student Hannah Silva-Breen at West Virginia University. She's getting her PhD in sports psychology. And as of recent, I have Dr. Courtney Boucher, who is continued to be a researcher at Tucker Center for Research on Girls and Women in Sports. So I really appreciate them both being here today. Thanks so much for having us. Yes, thank you so much. Alrighty, I guess we can just start off with either of you kind of sharing basically how you guys found yourselves in the sports world. That's what I typically like to ask, um, and especially doing research in the sports world. Yeah, I can start. Um, Hannah and I do have somewhat similar paths, but a little bit different. Um, so I found myself in the sports world very young, playing all sorts of different sports. I have an older brother and certainly wanted to be exactly like him. So um, I come from Minnesota, um, the state of hockey. So started ice hockey then and soccer and golf and was in gymnastics and all of the sports that you can imagine, but really found a liking to hockey and continued to play that play that through college and um, at Gustavus Stolfus College, which is a school in Minnesota. Um, I met some great connections and the director of the Tucker Center, Dr. Nicole Lavoie, is an alumni there. So um, I got connected with her and did an informational interview and realized that, wow, I can study sport and make a living out of out of researching it and thought, wow, what a what an incredible opportunity. So that's a little bit of my path. And Hannah, I will pass it over to you. Thanks. Thanks, Courtney. Dr. Boucher. My path is similar. I started playing sports. My parents put me in everything that I could be in when I was very young and then got to high school and specialized in in basketball. And that became my passion. And in college is when I started coaching and I've been coaching club basketball for the Minnesota Suns for almost or about 10 years, something like that. (laughs) And I was a gender equity summer intern at the Tucker Center for research on girls and women in sport twice in undergrad, and then came back for my master's in kinesiology with an emphasis in sports psychology, working under Dr. Lavoie and with Courtney Boucher. So that's where my my passion for um, sport outside of just playing and coaching really um, developed and flourished. Courtney, if you want to touch on kind of what you do on a typical day of work, I think it's I've never really had a sports researcher on the show. So I'd love to kind of hear like what what is what do you do for your job and what a typical day at work is and maybe what's your favorite part of your job? Yeah, great question. And the answer is there is no typical day. We have so many projects and balls in the air all the time in such a great way is, um, Hannah, feel free to jump in here too. But we could be doing anything from writing a manuscript that would be published into a research journal, 
We could also be talking at a you know local high school. We could be writing out a report. Um, there's so many things that we're doing. We put on events throughout the year. We do a film festival. We do a women coaches symposium. We have a distinguished lecture series. So there's certainly a lot of hats. When we say sports researcher, don't think of just somebody sitting behind a desk in a college office reading an old textbook that has dust on it. Um, it is all the research that we do at the Tucker Center is public facing. So if it's not research that can go out into the public and make a difference, we don't do it. And so there is no typical day. We're constantly working on new projects. We have new partners um, and we're always trying to collaborate with other people in the field. Yeah. <laughs> um, and Hannah, you're starting in uh, psychology, correct? Yes. Sports psychology as well as um, another master's in clinical mental health counseling. So my research will be in more of team dynamics, coach behaviors. I'm really interested in body image, eating disorders, that kind of thing. So it's a little different than kind of a, a, a psychology PhD period um, where they do more, um, more clinical yes. research. Yeah. How did you find yourself kind of shifting into the realm of psychology? I mean, mental health, especially with athletes, is so, so huge right now, especially, especially for female athletes. So what made you kind of um, want to go down that path specifically? I, I took a few years after I graduated undergrad and worked at the EMILY program, which is an eating disorder treatment facility. And I really discovered my passion for helping people with eating disorders and body image issues just because it's so pervasive in our society, our culture, especially in sport. Um, so many clients I worked with were former um, or current athletes that could pinpoint a lot of their problems, starting with team dynamics, coach behaviors, appearance ideals. And I've seen that in my own history with myself, my friends, my family. And I, I really wanted to make a difference there. And I think I have the expertise, the passion, the excitement to make a difference there. So that's when I shifted from um, coaching, having kind of this coaching sport background, this clinical more side background, and then this research uh, lane and wanted to bring them all together. And that's how I found myself here. Well, it's really important work that needs to be done. I mean, somewhat on that note, I wanted to ask both of you, what would you say is either the biggest challenge that you've had to face um, being either when you were an athlete or the work you're doing now, or what do you see as the biggest challenge that we face kind of moving forward with female athletes? I know that's kind of a double-sided question with uh, there's a lot of answers there, but uh, maybe just a few points on that for sure. Yeah, I'm happy to jump in. Um, I think that there's there's a lot of these answers, as you just said. And I think that one that I think encompasses it all is when we see adolescent girls drop out of sport. And I think that that's a it's almost a cop out answer, but it is true because it umbrellas so many different barriers that girls and women face that boys and men might not. Right. Like, are they dropping out because of coach behaviors or because of team dynamics? Are they dropping out because of athlete abuse or because they don't have enough role models that we see in the media? Um, so I think that there's so many of these different factors that all get encompassed of, well, now we don't have 
the same amount of girls that we have boys playing. And so it continues and, and remains a, a male and boy dominated space. So I think that that's, that's one answer to a question with many. Hannah, do you have anything to add? I would kind of piggyback off of that and go one step before and talk about how a lot of girls aren't even getting into sport like around the world. We were we did some focus groups with girls um, in different countries and coaches of different countries. And one thing that they pointed out that something we forget about, especially in more privileged areas in the United States, is there's a lot of different gender norms in other cultures still that either prohibit or really frown upon girls participating in sport and in whatever way that um, that looks for them, mainly because of misunderstanding of what that can sport performance can lead to or sport uh, activity can lead, lead to. And I would love to see more initiatives at those early stages, like Courtney said, where getting girls into sport, introducing them to different types of activity, physical activity that can be fun and exciting, as well as learning how to keep them there um, forever, like lifetime. What would you say, if there is any, was the biggest, like most shocking piece of research that you guys came across um, having to do with uh, females in the sports world? It's an absolutely fantastic question. Hannah, do you have one? <laughs> I, I do. Um, so yeah, that's, that's a really hard question. But the first one that always comes to my mind is one that we talk about a lot, which is the prevalence of women coaches, specifically women coaching girls and women. And it started before Title IX, Courtney, correct me if any of my stats are wrong. 90% about girls were coached by women. And then Title IX happened. There were more resources, positions open. Men kind of swooped in. And that number dropped down to 43%. 43%. Thank wow. you. I thought it was lower than that. And then it went back up a little. Well, oh, so I, I'm not sure the initial decline, but I think that really the sentiment here is that over the last 50 years, um, since we've had Title IX, you see women in engineering and as doctors and in tech and all these things, they're skyrocketing the percentage of women. And in coaching, you see it do the complete reverse. It went from 90% to about 43% now. And that's only women of women coaching women's teams. You have this whole other side of sport of men's sport, right? But women don't really coach men's sports. So really what it comes down to is women have about 25% of the coaching positions within college coaching. And so, yeah, that's that was, I think, the initial shocking one too, Hannah, for, for me. And I think that I do a lot of research in organizational culture and I look at athletic directors and that number is even smaller in athletic directors. So if you take all of college sport at Division I, um, only 10% of the athletic directors are women. And so it's just the lack of female leadership within kind of the most lucrative space of female sport, which is typically college athletics. Yeah. And and do you, do you know, do you have any reasoning behind this or do you, have you guys, do you, do you know why this is, you know, <laughs> we, we see like um, everyone talks about most women CEOs are former athletes, you know, and, and some of the most like strongest females are athletes. Um, mm -hmm. So do we have reasoning maybe, or, or do we have any insight into why? I think there's a lot of reasoning. Um, there's not one 
if there was one simple solution, I think we'd put all our money and go right. fix it. Um, yeah. But I think some of the reasons, right, is first and foremost, sport is, again, as we touched on in the beginning, still a masculine space. And so they men have typically dominated that space. Therefore, do women even see that as a viable coaching career? Like, I know that some of the women that I played college hockey with, they had never had a female coach. So if you can't, as cliche as it, as it is, if you can't see her, you can't be her. Um, I think some of the other reasons around we see this is that there's power. Um, in college athletics, there's money in college athletics. Um, therefore, it becomes, again, a very lucrative position to hold. Yeah, definitely. Um, kind of shifting back to kind of your your own stories, who would you say are your biggest mentors? Did you have those females who kind of allowed you to f- kind of take this um, maybe not so traditional path into kind of focusing on uh, doing research in sports and and taking that career path? No. I, um, I was actually just, I was, I'll say that I ask this question a lot and what's kind of unfortunate is the biggest answer I get is no. Um, and I think that goes back to what you were saying, how, what was the phrase you used? If you can't see it, see it, you can't yeah. be it. Yeah, exactly. So, I, I mean, it's no is the biggest answer I get. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, my only female role model for my whole childhood was my mom. Um and that was a different type of role model because she was not really involved in sports. She grew up in a time where girls, you could do Girl Scouts or home <laughs> ec. That was about it. So um, so understandably, uh, she wasn't really in that sports space. But And then I went to college and met some professors. And then Dr. Lavoie became a really big role model and mentor for me. So... I was a late bloomer <laughs> as far as female role models go in, in the sports space and, and this type of profession. And I think that did have a huge impact on me. Um, I didn't really think that careers in sport, besides maybe playing in the WNBA, which I was not gonna, I was not good enough to do. <laughs> um, I didn't really see that as a big option. Um even teachers that I had growing up were mostly men. So I didn't have a lot of female role models, period. Um, And I'm just thinking back and key points in my life, if I had had, you know, a female coach, even an assistant coach, I didn't have an assistant coach that was a woman, that would have been life changing for me, I think. Um, Yeah. So short answer, no. (laughs) Pardon me. How about you? <laughs> no, I think very, very similar stories. I didn't have a female assistant coach until I was in college. And um, even then, um, I think I felt the same at that time. There was no professional women's hockey. It was just, oh, there's no there's no profession to have in sport. It's something we do that is very fun with friends and it's competitive and I love to do it. But at the end of my college career, time's up, time to go get a real job, quote unquote. But I think that then the no, I haven't had that many mentors. But when Dr. Lavoy um, and I started working together at the Tucker Center, I think that that has been re- really life changing because there's just so much research that her and um, Dr. Mary Jo Kane, who started the Tucker Center, have done that I had no idea. I'd had anecdotal evidence of like, yeah, this is my story, and I kind of, I kind of feel weird here about this, and it's I couldn't pinpoint it. And then all of a sudden, you get into these conversations of, oh, there's people who are studying this and and putting real data behind the stories that I personally have felt. So I think that that 
um, as Hannah said, has, has really been life changing. Definitely. I think it's really, you know, I hadn't heard much. I didn't really hear much about research until I had to do a paper on Title IX actually this past year for weirdly for my U.S. history class, but um, which was a cool experience because, yeah, you get to see like the tangible evidence. And so it's really shocking to me that people still want to kind of steer us down this path where it's like not real when it's like right in front of you. And I think that's something that's so frustrating. And I'm sure you guys feel that way being like front and center with the research. I'm sure it's definitely like, wow, like how can people not see this is real and that it exists. I would love for you to talk about maybe where you guys see yourselves going for your own futures. And if you want to stay down this path, what you're kind of hoping to do to continue to kind of pave the path and and kind of keep this moving forward where we can make the sports world hopefully fully equitable at one point. Um, That's kind of the hope for everyone, right? But yeah. Absolutely. And I can start I think that in terms of my career path, so I just finished my PhD and officially have my doctorate and I'll stay at the Tucker Center for Research on Girls, Women in Sport and I'll transition into more of an assistant director role. But in that process, I'll also be teaching courses at the U. And so it kind of has this dual role of I get to do the research um, that, again, is very public facing. Um, We try to do research that makes a difference for girls, women, their families, their communities. But also I get to teach. And I think that that's also another place where change gets made is talking to 18 to 22 year olds about, hey, why don't we think about this differently? Just because we've all had experiences in sport, how can we make sense of this? How can we use data to tell the story in that sense? So um, I don't know, I guess, where I'll be in 5, 10, 15 years, but but hopefully still at, at the University of Minnesota um, working to make that difference. And hopefully things are are equitable and if not equitable, more equitable than it is now. Courtney, you are so cool. <laughs> so so lucky to have worked with you for the past few years. Um, The feeling is mutual hand. (laughs) So my goal is kind of similar where I really want to teach. I love teaching. I'm currently teaching a sports sociology class um, at West Virginia University, and we're only a few classes in. And the conversations that I've been able to have with these young people is so fun and it's majority white men in this class too which also makes it fun and I already I told them ahead of time I said watch out for the gender and sports section because that might get extended (laughs) so being able to have these conversations with people that haven't been exposed to these ideas before um, you know maybe they don't agree with you on everything but just hearing other ideas other opinions um learning new facts like that can be huge for someone you know 18 19 years old so that i would love to keep doing i would like to continue to do research um gender equity will always have a place in my heart but specifically body image and eating disorders is something that i would like to continue to look into in athletics and if I can do it all, I will be working with uh, athletes as a sports psychology consultant, um, being kind of a role model there when I can be, especially maybe for athletes who like ourselves didn't have, don't have female coach role models. Maybe I can provide some of that, that role modeling in a different kind of way and support them with their performance and, and mental health once I hopefully have my license as a clinical mental health counselor. 
that's a lot but <laughs> well they're both you know, women women we can have it all right right absolutely <laughs> definitely i think lastly even if it's just a sentence or a phrase, but what would you say is your biggest piece of advice for younger girls, athletes, people who are trying to make it in the sports world um, who maybe have been told that they shouldn't or can't? I know it's hard. <laughs> it's it's mostly hard to get it in one sentence because yeah. I think I have, there's plenty to say. I think I could write a whole dissertation right. on cool. advice, but, but I really think that um, go for it, like take the risk. And I think that there is no traditional career path. Everyone thinks they have to have it all figured out by ages 12, 18, 22, 32. And and you don't, right? I majored in chemistry and now I'm studying sports and loving it because I didn't know it was an option. So I think just go for it, take a risk. If it doesn't work out, that's okay. Um, Then you'll just make the next pivot. I would just echo that. And in this day and age, with social media and access to the internet and being creative, like this podcast alone, like Mm -hmm. I didn't know anyone in my high school that would have been doing something like this, you know, 10 years ago. Uh, (laughs) um, So just searching out these opportunities, if you don't see one around you and you have, and you're inspired, go online, find people that think, and have the same passions as you. Um, So social media can be a good thing when used in good ways. And I think lifting up women and inspiring girls and women to be in this space and be vocal Mm -hmm. and strong in this space is a really good way to do it. Well, thank you, Hannah and Courtney. Your work is really important and inspiring. So I appreciate you coming on today to talk with me. Thank you. Thanks so so much for having me. Thanks for listening to the Sports Up podcast. We'll see you again next time and be sure to click subscribe to get future Sports Up episodes.